Wired Access. We'll do it live. Wired Access. Do it live. Wired Access. We'll do it live. Wired Access. Welcome to a Herd App production of Wired Access Podcast. I'm your host, DJ Kate Dub Omaha. To my left, I have alumni who just graduated from Syracuse University, Dariana Lewis. Welcome to the show. How are you feeling after, you know, the reason I want to bring you on is you're a local Omaha North grad. And sometimes the perception is you can't get out of the city. Talk about your years at Omaha North and what you kind of went through as far as a dedication to the game of basketball. When do you even remember picking up the basketball? Um, so uh, a lot of people don't know, but I didn't really play basketball as a kid or like nothing like that. I really got into it when I was like a junior, senior in um, high school. And so what'd yeah. you do before that? That we we can't get to that. And uh, I mean, you you drop a bombshell, which I love. What did you do before that then? Um, I don't know. I was just in like a lot of after school activities. I was I did like drill team, dance team, track. I was just active. Like I was just an active kid and I was just big. So Okay. And then how did you even get linked into basketball? So before junior year, mm-hmm. it was never on your mind. No one ever offered it to you. Um, it wasn't really like a serious thing. You know what I'm saying? Like I'll be at the boys and girls club and I'll just like go in the gym and, you know, shoot a couple baskets, but I was never, I was always the only girl in there. So I was never like, Oh yeah, let's take this serious. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it was just me yeah. as the only girl in there. And I didn't get a lot of respect as the only girl. Um, when we had the little in-house little basketball leagues or whatever, I never get the ball. I really didn't get in like that. And so I just never really thought you were like, a part of it, but you weren't, deep in part of it or you were like as they always say get picked last right but it doesn't mean that you can't do it you're just not getting the chance right and then so then when you're playing in that league what would be like the age range of the kids that you'd play against at that time um we all was kind of the same age so i say like 12 12 12 13 gotcha so you get through the y you get through that you start high school. What's some of the first activities that you remember doing if basketball is not the one? Um, well, in high school, I was a three-sport athlete, so I did volleyball, basketball, and track. Okay, volleyball, basketball, track. At that time, what was some of your goals, some of your ambition? What were you thinking with just playing those sports? Um, I know that in track, I wanted to be a state champion because North was like the school if you wanted to do track. Like, it was the school from, like, 2010 to, like, 2017 it was the school for track if you wanted to do track and so i was like oh maybe i can you know it keep me in shape and i can you know be a state champion get a couple medals and stuff like that i did volleyball just to do it i mean keep you active i got you and then my track coach was also my basketball coach so all right so they get you from track they get you into basketball what was your events at track that led into the scene of the athletic talent that you had? Um, I did a couple things. So I did long jump, um, high jump. I didn't really do that many sprints. I, my junior and senior year, I was put into the four by one, but I did the four by four. And then my senior year, I did triple jump for a year. And that was like, I did good. I was a all-class state champion in triple jump. And it was my first year, first time ever doing it. And when you look at track... And the winning, obviously, it's it's fun with your classmates, but it is more of a me sport. Right. Because every time you go out there, you challenge me. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. You, you got your teammates that you're, you want to beat be, so you could get that chance. What was the event that you felt that you struggled at, but they still kept pushing you forward? And what event did you feel was the easiest? Okay, so... I'll get it's like a two way thing. So my easiest one I would say was um, three hundred hurdles. I ran three hundred hurdles. Um, now, if you, I, I, my daughter did the three hundred hurdles mm-hmm. for two years. One, it is worse, or it, it it 
it does not even compare to a 400. Like right. it is, it is way harder than a 400. Yeah. So you did that. I mean, that alone yeah. you said was the easiest. Cause I was a, okay. So all my years of doing it, I was a district champion. All of my years, I was a district champion. Then I was a state runner up two years in a row. And then my third year I was running that districts. And I don't know, I was like running real fast, like moving real, real fast. I was going too fast for my body. Like I was just moving and I have, I fell and I oh. like scraped my arm and my knee up and stuff. And I like laid, I was in the lead for like a long lead, like a 50 meters lead. Yeah. I could have still won if I would have got up fast, but I'm laying there. I'm in shock. I'm like, Oh, I ain't never failed before. Like what am I supposed to do? I got up and I still got sixth place, but I didn't place for state. So oh. I was like, oh, okay. So I tried to get back into it the next year. And it was just like that same spot that I fell. I always just like chop. Like I chopped my steps, chopped my steps, which just slowed me down. So then after that, it became like one of the harder things for me to do because now I'm like, I don't want to fall no more. So I got to chop when I get to this one spot. So you're talking about the mental struggle that really happens, whether it's a car accident, you don't want to be a passenger in a car no more. Uh, you had you you slipped down some stairs at school. I'm trying not to go down them stairs no more. Like it's just a mental battle. How did you overcome that? And what took you to finish the season at something that was making you not feel as comfortable? How did you deal with that challenge? I just I don't know. I just always kept faith in myself. You know, like I said, my basketball coach was my track coach too. So she never let me give up on it. It was times where I just at practice, I was like, I just can't do it. I can't go over no more. I can't go over no more. But she would keep making me rep it, rep it, rep it, and keep, you know what I'm saying, going into it. Also, sometimes I, we are all line up. So the boys are line up too. The boys that did 300 hurdles, they'll line up next to me. You know, I'm like a competitor. So I was like, okay, they lining up with me. So now I got to show something. I can't be scared. I can't be nervous when I'm lining up with the boys. So taking the challenge – whether it's a boy, whether it's another female, and and using that as the go juice, and then you look at your other events, you know, was was there any that you uh, just couldn't get over to where you wanted to be in them? Yeah, and the goals that you wanted to achieve. Um. Yeah, I say high jump. It was I. I was doing good because I was like taller than everybody. But then when we got to state and I had to go against people that was like same height or bigger than me, it was like, okay, now I can't, I can't win. Like I was winning at the little track meets. When we got to Metro district and state, I was like confused. I was like, oh my God, I don't know what's going on. I just can't get over it. So when you say something like that, do you feel like being a taller lady and that felt comfortable in your body made it harder to achieve higher because you thought it was so easy until you got around. Right. Was that kind of like the stuff that you were kind of feeling and going yeah, through? It was kind of like, okay, you know, like when you on that, you in that high, you in that mode. You yeah. Know? You're like, I got everything. I got it. And then when you get somewhere and you get defeated or you get beat, you like, dang, I was just on the high road. Now I'm, you know, low, but I had to keep going every day. I had to just keep trying to practice it. And that just wasn't the, the, one for me but when you think of those events and you think of these challenges these struggles now let's take it to your basketball career you join like you said sophomore junior year what took you to basketball i i think it was just because i had like raw talent like i had raw talent in every sport that i did but like basketball, it was just something like different in basketball like i had the talent like i was Jumping out of the gym, like just doing stuff. I was just out there just doing stuff. I didn't have no technique. I didn't have no form. I didn't have no nothing. I was just out there running around like with my head cut off. Some people, <laughs> some people would say that. They're like, she just running around with her head cut off. She's not even doing nothing. I was like so in shape that it was just like, I'm just running up and down the court at this point. Yeah. So I was like, okay, maybe if I sit down and try to take it serious, I might be able to, you know, do something with it. Also in high school, I wasn't able to focus on one sport. So that's why I would say I wasn't taking it so serious because I couldn't focus on just that one sport. As soon as basketball season was over, it was track season. As soon as track season was over, it was volleyball season. And as soon as volleyball season was over, it was basketball season. So I couldn't really sit down and 
focus. So being the three sport athlete and obviously do you think that helped hurt or made you learn lessons from each to take to the next one? Um, I think it helped me just because like when I got to the collegiate level, obviously I had to lock in. I had to just, you know, okay, now you got to sit down and you have to lock in on this. It's not no volleyball. It's not no track. Like you don't have a volleyball or track to fall back on. If this doesn't mess, I mean, this doesn't work out. Well, and, and you're talking about getting to college before you get to college. Talk about just the process of even being recruited mm-hmm. because you're not someone that's looked at as a freshman, possibly right. could have been for track, possibly could have been for volleyball, but you're a latecomer. A lot of people have signed in their junior year. Mm-hmm. What was that process like? And, and, and who helped guide you through that? Well, my process was, I wouldn't say it was hard because I wasn't highly recruited out of high school. I had um, three offers out of high school. I had a JUCO offer, Iowa Western. Um, I had Alabama A&M, and then I had Missouri State. And I was looking like, oh, okay, Ooh, HBCU is cool. Like, I want to ride that wave. But then Missouri State came, and I was like, half the staff then been to WNBA. People got their numbers retired. One of my assistant coaches was Jackie Styles. I'm like, I'm trying to be, I'm, I want that. You know what I'm saying? I want that dream. So I'm like, okay, this must be a sign that I need to go with that offer because she did everything I wanted to do. Her numbers in the rafters at college and in the WNBA. So this is my head coach. Um, she played for Pat Summit. That was like a, you know, she was a big deal. Everybody, so like, not exactly. Everybody was a big deal. So I'm like, maybe this is what I should do. And um, I made the decision. Um, coach Latrell helped me a lot. So how did you hook up with Coach Latrell? So I played two years of AAU basketball. Okay. And what program were you doing that through? One year was with the Trailblazers. And then when our, the Trailblazers program fell off, um, I was searching for a team, like, I went to go play for OSA. Like, what? Nobody, I, I, nobody, yeah. Like, nobody really goes to play for them that's from North Omaha. So I played with them for a tournament. And in that tournament, we played Nebraska Hoops Elite. And we were losing. And every time we was losing, they'd put me in. I help us get back to the lead. They'd sit me down. So you're good enough for the help. Right. You're good enough to be the sixth female or sixth man, as they always call it but you weren't getting the right. time that you deserved. And so uh, after the game, I was, you know, we lost after the game, shaking everybody's hands. And Coach Trail and Coach Tucker was just like, I feel like you should come play for us. And, you know, I was joking at first. I was like, yeah, I'll come play for y'all. Like, I was just joking in the moment. But then, like, the next week I showed up to one of their practices and then we just took off. Now, of course – on this show, I never am here like to bash anybody. Right. Because that isn't what it's about. Everybody does processes different. And not every coaching staff is for every player. Right. So when you look at the jump to the Nebraska Hoops Elite and Coach Tucker and Coach Latrell or right so, what's some of the things that really helped you develop and understand that that was your home? Um they just knew that they just knew like they understood like she just got raw talent and she just needs somebody to help her guide her um through the process uh it wasn't like a bad feeling at osa but it was like the girls that was there were all the same they were all set shooters they just sat there and sat on three-point line me i wasn't a three-point shooter i was just a go get it type of person like a grit hard type of person i'm not a three-point shooter. So that's how Nebraska Hoops Elite play. We go get it. We don't wait on nobody to give it to us. We don't stand there, just wait on nobody. We go get everything that we want. So I feel like that's, you know, kind of played a role. So when you look at that going with the Nebraska Hoops Elite, how did this set your senior year up for your multi-sport athlete? Um, It actually helped me. It helped me a lot. Um, You know, I really didn't have that much help, guidance. People didn't want to support me for real, you know. Um, Coach Luttrell was one of those people that just was, he didn't care. He was supporting me 110%. So, I mean, 
even I did and senior year, I didn't even want to do volleyball no more. I'm like, there's no point for me to do this. I know I'm not going nowhere with it. Track two, I'm like, I know I'm not about to go run track or play volleyball in college. But he was just talking to me, him, my mom, everybody was just, you know, family was telling me, like, you just need to stick it out. You're not a quitter. You know, quit on nobody. You got to keep going. You got to keep pushing, go hard. And it'll help me stay in shape for the basketball season. Now, do you have a basketball teammate that helped you in this process at all or anybody that was right there to let you know that the sacrifices that you're making? Because sometimes some of the issues in some of these OPS schools is if you don't have someone at home pushing you, sometimes it's your next door, your point guard, your, you know, the people you start to work. Was there anybody on the team that was willing to put in that grind with you? No. No. Um, we had a lot of, like I said, a lot of dual sport, three sport athletes. Um, a lot of people didn't want to take their talents to the next level. So I feel like I was one of the only people that wanted to. So when you think of that senior season, what what was some of the goals that you were trying to set for yourself and the team? Was there like, I think we can reach here or was it more of, let's see how much development I can get. And it's not always what you want, but like you said, if, if the whole team isn't buying in, it's hard to worry about what they need or what they're wanting to do. Uh, I really feel like I knew we wasn't going to, we wasn't going to do it because we just all, everybody wasn't on the same page. Some people was worried about track. Some people was worried about schools. Other people was worried about going outside, going to party, going to club. Some people was just worried about um, different stuff. So I really was just, you know, focused on me. Uh, I focused on trying to break a lot of records at North, which I did. Um, so having that as your goals, record breaking, being in the books, leaving a legacy. Mm-hmm. How does that keep you off the street stuff? Whether it's drugs, alcohol, it's all around you. You got players that you play with that are like, come on, come to this party. How do you get out of that stuff? How do you, what's some things that you have to battle? Um, I feel like you just got to think of the bigger picture. Like one night at the club or one night at a party or one night smoking weed can cost you your future, your whole future. You can go to jail and not be able to get out. Then what you going to do? Now you sit in a cell looking around like, Dang, if I would have just went to the gym instead of going to smoke or drink with this person, then maybe I would have been farther than where I am now. Or also, I don't know, I just, as a kid, like, I was never really into that. Like, it was around me, but it was just like, I wanted to be known. Like, I wanted to be known for. What gave you, know, you that passion to want to be known? Um, I was the only child, so I didn't have no siblings. I'm still the only child. So. It was like nobody didn't know me. I had no sisters to play with, no brothers to play with, um, no immediate family that was young that could come talk to me or anything like that. So I was like, well, ain't nobody in the house. My mom was at work. I'd go to school. She'd be at work. Come back home. She'd be at work. It's like, dang, ain't nobody. I felt like wasn't nobody, could nobody see me for real, like as an only child. So I'm like, okay, now I got to go make some noise so people could see me or now I got to go break records so people can see me. I didn't go down the path of, oh, well, ain't nobody paying attention to me, so now I'm about to go smoke weed and go to yeah, jail, so then the, everybody the can see The woe is me. Right. Now, now, I mean, is there, is is mom's drive pushing you to be who you are in that? Yeah. Um, she helps me, too, but I'm just saying, I mean, if if you know, it's it's hard for kids to realize when their parents are working mm-hmm. to really understand that it's not for them. Like they're not just going to work so they can have the money. They're right. like doing it so you can play the extra. Was that yeah. anything that came across your mind? Or sometimes you still got to be selfish. I mean, you got to want the love and want the feel, you know? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, she was a single parent. So I was just like, okay, she working hard. You know what I'm saying? Anything I wanted, she got it for me. Shoes, anything I asked for, clothes when I wanted to go out to eat, whatever she had it. Um, so I feel like that was like, okay, somebody care a little bit. So yeah. let me, you know, and then you obviously got the coaches that are backing you up. Yeah. So when you do the Nebraska elite hoops, where is one of your favorite destination places that you played prior to getting to college? Uh, 
Because you guys do travel some. Yeah. Oh, traveling. I say we went to tournament of champions in Atlanta. Uh, our reason why I say that is because I was hurt during that time. My ankle was uh messed up during that time, but I still played because it was gonna be so many coaches there. Like Gino was gonna be there, Don Staley was gonna be there. I'm like, I can't, I can't fold right now. All these people gonna be there. I gotta show up. So during that tournament, like everybody was asking me, like, you good? Like you gonna play? You gonna play? Like some people was telling me, I think you should sit out. All that, and I wasn't listening. I wasn't listening to none of that. And I pushed through the whole tournament, and we made it to the championship bracket, and we just, you know, we didn't have enough because everybody wasn't at their full potential at the time due to injuries. But but to know that you took a team from Omaha, obviously this isn't a team because there are some of those teams that are in those tournaments that have been together for years upon years. Right. You're taking girls maybe two years together, maybe a year and a half. How was it to overcome some of those challenges when you're playing those teams that have, you could tell the chemistry is above where yours is? Yeah, I think that's why now, like when I was in college, chemistry was always a thing for me because I know how it is coming from a team that we all didn't go to the same high school. We all didn't live in the same neighborhood. We all didn't. It's not your together. best friend right, right next to you. My, you know what I'm saying? So, I, you know, I always kind of, like, stress that, too. And with all my college teams, I'm like, we got to have chemistry. We got to bond. We got to go do this. I always suggest, like, let's go to the mall as a team or let's go to the the movies or let's do something as a team together. Like, even if it's just going to the calf, I'm like, let's yes, go, go get eat something together. to eat. Right. Like, like, no one understands, like, those little things – whether and 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 it isn't like you have to go to this extravagant place to eat, right? You can go just to the local BK, whatever. Just something where you continue just to grow together and know together. Yeah. How about the drives? Did you get to know your players and your teammates, or was it more of people try to sleep the whole drives? Because um, you guys probably drove to some of them, right? Yeah, we drove. We drove a lot. Um, we we would sleep. We was <laughs> we would sleep, but we. You know, some of my people went to north. Some people went to northwest. So yeah. we was, you know, we would see each other often, but we was, like, close. We was real close. Um, it was, like, a couple of us that was real close, like me, Nevaeh, Callie, Kaylin, Melissa. Uh, we was kind of close. Jaden, we was all close. So it wasn't like we wasn't close. It was just clear that. The play chemistry. Yeah, it was just, you know. But well, we made it happen. Like we made everything happen, even though we might not be in the most chemistry filled team, but we made it happen because we all had the same goal of playing at the next level. And what did you think of these events and these things? Like, because some people, this is kind of maybe something that's going on between AAU and high school. Mm -hmm. Would you put more effort into your AAU, even if it was saying, hey, coach, I know we're in basketball season. How about we still practice it for the girls that don't want to play for school? Because you're not getting the same right. enjoyment sometimes because you're giving it your all and you got someone that might not be. What I mean, is that something that could cause in the future where AAU takes over? Yeah, I did. I feel like it's starting now. Obviously, um, it's a lot of people that want to play with real hoopers, and you know they try to do the little transferring schools, like people want to transfer from Central to wherever else or Benton yeah. to wherever else, but they can't because they not in the region or where the school need to be at or area or where you need to be at to go to that school. So they play on the same AAU team as those people to try to okay. I could play with somebody that actually want to play and want to get after it. That's kind of what I was on. Like I went to the trailblazers. We all want to do the same thing. I mean, we was all just raw talent and just wanted to play. Then when I had went to OSA, it was like, okay, they look like they fiending for themselves. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, okay, try something else and see if it worked. And it ended up working out. Yeah. I know last year I went to an AAU game where I, and it was like where they're talking about college recruits or they're watching, you know, and you have one kid takes 24 shots, makes two of them. And I'm like, this isn't what you want to show these college coaches. Like, yeah. don't get me wrong. I understand some of the AAU is show what you have. Mm -hmm. But they're still going to see the vision of what you don't have or what you're not trying to obtain as a goal. 
what what was how did that part go like being able to know okay i know i want to shine but i also know i want to win um I, you can shine in other ways than scoring you know what i'm saying um scoring is not everything i had well, like four of us that went division one we didn't try to oh i'm about to drop 30 and i'm not gonna give her the ball at the end of the day if you're passing the ball to your teammates at the end of the day, your shots are still going to come. You're still going to get what you're going to get. I know I was a really good rebounder. I still am a really good rebounder. So I, I just did that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? My, my point guard, I want to stand out there and shoot a little shoot. I'm get the rebound. If she missed, if I can't go back up and put it in, get my two points, I'll pass it back out. Yeah. We just going to move like that. It ain't always about the score. Um, a lot of college coaches don't even look at score. They look at your effort, your attitude, your body language and stuff like that weird it all matters we you know i only say weird because i've tried coaching kids heck even to my own kids like i'm telling them exactly what a coach is looking for like none of the else matters if you're not in your zone stay in your lane as they say right right know what you're good at and know what you bring to the team so when you go from the aau your first step into college is to which college i went to missouri state first missouri state year one Mm -hmm. What was some of the things that you felt made you better from Missouri State? Um, well, the coach that recruited me to go there, she got another job offer, and she took it. And so at that time, I was blind. I didn't know that I could put myself back in the transfer portal and all that. So I just was like, all right, I'm going to just stay. And I ended up not playing a lot. Um, that was It was kind of hard for me because I'm like, okay, I know I got the talent. I know I can do it. But she's just not giving me the opportunity to do it, and so. Well, she's not the coach. That yeah, she is. You. She also, yeah, she also How wasn't the coach. How does that feel? It was. Was there a lot of kids brought in when she came in? Um, it was five of us, but I personally was recruited by the assistant coach. So, gotcha. it was like mm, when she left, I didn't know that it was going to be like that. And when I had, you know, I went through the year. Um, I couldn't get the year back because. You know, the coaching staff, they knew what they was doing. They played me like three minutes a game. Just enough to keep just, you Just enough. Right. Just They knew what they was doing. They kept me in so that I wouldn't be able to get my year back. So when you're thinking of those moments that have obviously shaping you a little bit to go, okay, I'm not seeing everybody as for Miss Lewis. Mm-hmm. They said they were, but the feeling's not there. What's happening back at home? What's some of the things that Coach – Right, so and Coach Tucker, they're obviously probably still in contact. Yeah, mom's probably saying, I'm, I mean, if mom's working her tail off and you're not getting be happy down there, I'm pretty sure it's not an easy transition there either. Yeah, so, um, I talked to him and I was asking him, I'm like, I don't know what else I need to do. Like, I'm working hard at practice, I'm doing everything I need to do, I'm still not playing. So, it got to the point to where the coaches, my AU coaches, and my mom called the coaching staff and was asking like okay what is she not doing to to play like what is she not doing they told him you just need her to go harder just go harder i'm thinking in my head i'm like, I'm going hard but okay i'm gonna do it so now i'm going hard i'm making the first string look bad at practice i'm making them look bad still not playing i'm like what's going on so then it was a game um we was playing number one team in the conference we was number two in the conference at the time we was playing number one team in the conference and, you know, the first five, they wasn't showing up how they supposed to show up against the real comp. I mean, you're the starters. Right. So she put me in. I had 17 and 10. We won. We beat the first number one team in the conference. The next game, I don't play. I'm like, did I not just have 17 and 10? You know what I'm saying? So I'm not getting it. Like, it's not making sense to me. So it's obviously that this is not the program, you know, for me. So before even that, I mean, is there, is what what's the biggest mental struggle? It's already how, how hard. Stay, I was going to say, how are you staying involved? How are you staying locked in, knowing this is what you're seeing? You you just balled out the wall. Yeah. And then they left. With it's already up. hard because I'm you know away from home and I'm a freshman trying to juggle. I, I was a bio major, so I'm oh. like I'm trying to battle the biology, this lab, this clinical here all that i'm trying to do all that then i gotta practice after practice gotta go to class after class gotta go back to my room shower for an extra workout gotta go work out gotta go back to the room by the time 
it's time to go back to the rooms eight o'clock it's time to go to bed so you tell me you just don't get a show up to college and you don't just get to play basketball nah, like you your days deal. your days gonna How be real short your high school like do you feel like did you work hard enough at school in high school to prepare you for college no i did not personally but i also didn't know what to expect either like going into it i didn't know what to expect i mean my coaches was you know trying to tell me like it ain't gonna be easy it ain't gonna be easy but i was like now, if I can ask, I only ask because I have four kids. Mm-hmm. Me and my wife did not go to college because we had kids right out of high school. Did mom have college experience that she could pass down? No. No. So your first generation is what they consider it. Mm-hmm. So you're taking on a role that the backing isn't there, not as far as knowledge of knowing what you need to do. Mm-hmm. How are you adapting and what what's some of the things that you're going, okay, this is how I'm knowing I got to lock in. What's some of the, is it, are you worried about scholarship money? Are you worried about stuff like that? Or is it because you're just knowing you want to get school done? Yeah, I think it was just knowing that, you know, I wanted to be a known, a person that was known in the city. Like, I ain't want to be the person known for, oh, all she do is fight her. All she do is drink and smoke. I wanted to be known as a person like, okay, she's like, she doing what she needs to do out of out of town. She doing what she needs to do for herself and her career. So I was like, I don't want to be no lame. You know what I'm saying? So I, I like got to just keep going. Keep pushing. So you get through Missouri State, comes back Alabama. Alabama A&M. A&M. Mm-hmm. How do you get them to come back after the first year? I honestly, I have no idea. That's like, she's never offered nobody twice. So I was the first and still the only person that she's offered to play for her two times after being rejected the first time. So, you know, that's why I picked um, my number. I was number 21. Um, It was a second chance for a first opportunity because she was the first coach to ever offer me a scholarship. So that's why I picked number 21. And it was like, okay, now when I'm going into A&M, I'm like, okay, this lady just gave me a second chance. She never gave nobody a second chance. Now you really got to go hard. Then it was, okay, I got to prove that other people on the other side wrong because they didn't play me how I feel like I should have been played. So now I got to prove them wrong. So now I'm just going after everything. So you got proven wrong. You got making a name. How does the schooling go down at Alabama A&M? Is it, is it similar? Are you still going mm-hmm. for the same major? Yeah, is I stayed. Yeah, I stayed a bio major. Um, I graduated with my bachelor's of, um, in science and biology. Um. And it was, you know, it was, I only got five B's ever in college. Um, Man. I graduated with a 395. And, yeah, I was just, a, you know, I was just balling. Like, I was and, just in and, my element. And continuing to make the name, what is one of the fondest memories that you have for Alabama A&M and one of the things that you loved about it? Um, the culture. You know, it was HBCU, so the culture was real. It was everything that I ever wanted. And I was still playing a game that I love around Black people. So I was like, okay, these people look like me. They act like me. They talk like me. This is, you know, where I want to be and what I want to do. And so it was a little vibe, fun little vibe. Now, was the competition similar to the Missouri State competition, or would you say harder? Um, I'm not going to lie to you. A lot of people that go to HBCUs are kids that are overlooked by the bigger programs. So you got a lot of ballers at HBCUs. A lot of people don't think so, but you have a lot of ballers and a lot of competition at HBCUs. It wasn't easy. So a lot of people out there think, oh, she goes to HBCU. It's easy. It's easy. It's easy. It's not easy. It's it's, it's worse to me. It's, it's harder. So now you're year two in. What's your favorite game that you remember from that season? Um, Our playoff game. We played our first playoff game at home. That was the first time in – a&M history that they hosted a playoff game. Uh, we also finished 17-9, and best record they ever had since they started playing. Um, so that was a really good game. We played that team already two times. It's hard to beat a team two times. It's really hard to beat a team three times. Yeah. And so, you know, we had the whole school basically was at the game. Everybody was at the game. The game was packed live. Would you say the atmosphere – was bigger or the yeah, same? It was bigger. bigger than Missouri State. Yeah. And then, um, obviously, you have success there. How do you get to Syracuse? So I was just, you know, in a state where I was doing a lot of stuff. So I was 
At AM, I was newcomer of the year, first team all conference twice, second team all conference once. I was Weird. breaking Missouri records. Missouri State could have had some of this. Right. Stuff. Like yeah. I was breaking records. I was doing everything. I was just balling. I was number one in the nation in rebounds per game my junior year. And I'm like, no WNBA, nothing is still looking out. No, nobody is still saying nothing to me. Why is nobody saying nothing to me? And it's people that's telling me, like, it's because of where you at. Like, you you at an HBCU, they already don't think highly of HBCUs, which is bad to me because a lot of great people come out of HBCUs. But it's just like, dang, people telling me, like, in order for you to get up there, you, you got to go. Like, you got to leave. And I didn't want to leave because that was, like, my home. Like, I felt like I was at home when and, I was and, there. And that's what, that's what you want, of course, in those colleges is – you want to feel like it, it, it's a place away from Omaha, mm-hmm. but you still have that Omaha feeling where you feel comfortable. And obviously you said something that's major in sports. When you think of male basketball players, everybody says you can go the Juco route and still get to the NBA and this and that. You can go this route and have an opportunity. Mm-hmm. But you're getting told as a female that it, that's that's just not a chance. Right. So you take this jump to Syracuse. How do you get the offer or who makes the contact for you? So I put myself in a transfer portal late, really, really late. Like transfer portal closes for real May, like May 1st, the transfer portal closed. And I'm still contemplating. I'm in my room contemplating like after every workout, I'm like, dang, like, should I really do it? Like, should I really do it? I'm contemplating. So I get past the date and I'm like, dang, like, I don't know if this is what I know what I really should do. And so I put myself in the transfer portal on June 20th. Um, and then I was scared because I'm like, I don't think nobody going to call. I'm now, like, what did the coach that gave you the second chance at an opportunity, What did? how did that conversation go? Because the reason I th- I'm asking is transfer portal to me is a very touchy subject with many yeah. people. Obviously, the first time, Leaving the first school makes sense. You knew that your coach got traded or went to another school. So if it's good for her, it's good right. for you. The second one, you've done, you've lived, you've made it to where you wanted to, and you got them higher than they've ever been. But you also know where your dream is different than some of the players that are stuck. Mm-hmm. Not by choice, but they're still trying to live that dream. I feel like it was a very uh, serious and emotional conversation for both of us. Um, it wasn't an easy decision for me to leave. Um, it wasn't an easy conversation for me to have when I was, you know, doing that. But it was just like I knew that it was something that had to be done in order for me to put my name out there. Because um, after the season when I was number one in the nation in rebounds per game, they basically was like, it's only because she playing in the slack is why she's rebounding like that. 13 rebounds a game is 13 rebounds a game. It's no matter not, what game you play. No matter it, it, where you're playing at, 13 rebounds a game is 13 rebounds a game. So, you know what I'm saying? So You just, just go, tell me how many players really averages had across the board. Right, you know what I'm saying? So then it was just like, all right, I had to leave. I left, and when I put myself in the church report, I didn't think nobody was going to call. Um, like I said, out of high school, I didn't have no hometown offers. Um, I was told that I should go JUCO. Now, when you um, when you say the no hometown offers, obviously, it hits a chord. Yeah. I could tell because you would never just throw it out there, and that's okay. Yeah. Do you feel people are watching because you are stepping it up out there more? Yeah. And missing that opportunity, knowing it could have been mm-hmm. for down the road? Yeah. Um, When I put myself in the portal, the first day it was a little, little shaky, you know. You and O called, and it was like, okay. Y'all didn't want me before. Now I did great, and now y'all want me. They don't take chances on Omaha kids, and that's sad because we live here, and y'all don't take chances on people in Omaha. Creighton, too. Nobody took a chance on uh, an Omaha kid. So it's just like, mm, I don't know. Then the second day, I woke up, and I'm looking at my phone. It's like, 50 missed calls, 50 messages, 10 emails, 20 emails on the other. I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, what's going on? You probably felt like you slept through yeah, something. Yeah, like, I'm like, what's, what? 
all these coaches was calling, texting. I'm like, oh, this is like, this when it got overwhelming because out of high school, I wasn't heavily recruited. Yeah. So I didn't have that many phone calls. I mean, I what, three phone calls? So That's when it. you get, you see this 50, what's your first thought? I'm like, who do you call? Who do you even I talk called, to? I called Coach Israel first. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, these people is calling all these people, texting. Da, da. He like, you need to start setting up phone calls, this and that. Then I called my mom. We start setting up, you know what I'm saying, all these phone calls with everybody in. Um, I got a lot of offers. I, I got about 50 offers out of that transfer portal situation. I got 50 offers. Um, I had 10 Power 5 offers. And I'm like, okay, this is a, okay, this might be a big jump, but let's, you know, think about it. You've already taken the ride. You've already shown and proven step-by-step step that the step happened for a reason, whether it's a learning mental, going through mental situations. What brings you to Syracuse on the, on those 50 or the 10 power, I mean, power five. Um, I was, one thing I was looking for was a family feel. Cause I was coming from a school where I got a family feel from coaching staff, student body, teammates, everybody. So that was my number one. I wanted a family feel. And while I was getting recruited, a lot of schools, it was a little, you know, a little iffy. Some schools, it was there a little bit, but after a couple of times talking to them, it was like, okay, I see that this is not for real. They, they faking it. And so when I got the offer from Syracuse, I was contacted by everybody on the coaching staff. I did a FaceTime call. Um, everybody was in the room. My what year was this? This uh, past year. This past year. Yeah. So you've already went through COVID where you've already known that the way of communication isn't always going to be in person, right? Mm -hmm. You've probably been on more Zoom calls or yeah. FaceTimes and you even want to talk about mm -hmm. what what feels different besides the coaches contacting you? What's something that really brought you on in the area? Um, It was somewhere I'd never been before. Um, and it was a conference that I never played in before. We never played a school in ACC. Even at A&M, Missouri State, we never played a school that high. So it's like, okay, this is, these people think I could play at this level. Like, that's the highest level in the country. So you get to Syracuse. I mean, when your name is written because of the stats that you produce mm -hmm. with a Hall of Famer like Dennis Rodman by Syracuse.com, I'm a Bulls fan, but I'm also a basketball fan. And obviously he did his work for the Bulls. Right. How does that make you feel knowing that everything that you've been putting forth so forth is to show that you are somebody and right. now you're being ranked with or talked about in the same sentence as someone that lived the defense around the down below the under the hoop, the rebounder. What was that feeling? Um, it made me feel good just because I'm simply I'm 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 not that big. A lot of people think I'm big. I'm very undersized to be a post player. You look at the Angel Reese's, Leah Boston's, all of them, they're big. Those are big girls. Elizabeth Kitley, six five. Those are big girls. To me, a six three and above is big. Yes. I am five eleven. <laughs> I am not I'm not big. Yeah. So for me to be rebounding the way I'm rebounding, running the floor the way I'm running the floor, blocking shots the way I'm blocking shots at 5'11", at the best, like at the highest level, is like, okay, this, it got to be, be worth something. If I'm playing against great competition every single night, I'm playing against lottery picks. I played against people that was on the draft boards day in and day out every night. And I'm still, you know what I'm saying, holding my own at 5'11". That's like, you know what I'm saying? That make me feel like okay, you you doing something. You doing you belong. Little, right, you doing You're making something. the name for for yourself. So you go through Syracuse, what's the number one thing you learn from them? Um patience. Um I'm a fast-paced person. I don't like going slow. I don't like uh I don't know, I'm just like a person that want to get it done. If I see something, I want to get it done. Like right now I'm making renovations to my bedroom and Soon as I it's got probably back, probably something that might take a week, but you're like, I'm no, trying I to get it done, done in two days. <laughs> like, I want it done right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, as soon as we got off the road, we got off the road at three in the morning. We was on the road from 7 a.m. 
to three in the morning the next day to get me from Syracuse back home. I get back home, I'm not tired no more. I'm like, I'm trying to go to the store tomorrow, get the paint tomorrow, paint the room tomorrow in the morning. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm trying to get it done. I move fast, so I feel like the one thing that I learned is patience and um. Yeah, I learned it from I. You know, I had a really close friend at Syracuse, um, Cheyenne McEvans. That was my teammate and my closest, closest, closest friend. She always had my best interest. She was, you know, always helped me through anything if it was an issue or something. What do you think was the number one thing that connected you guys? Well, I don't know where she's from, but obviously mm-hmm. you're Midwest. You're taking your. She's from Michigan. From Michigan, so she's from the Midwest. I would consider. So we are different. Yeah, all the way. So I feel like that's what connected us. I kind of brought her out of her shell a little bit, and she calmed me down during times I need to be calm. I'm like the social butterfly, want to be loud, want to be out there, and she's like the in her bubble type of person. Only want to be in her bubble. She don't want you close, right? She don't want me close, but I was in in the bubble like every day. (laughs) I was I was in her bubble every single day. I'd be like, oh yeah, let's go eat. She's like, eh, I'm okay. I'd be like, yeah, come on, the car. Let's go eat. <laughs> like, I'm basically, like, forcing her to, you know, get out of her shell. And then after, like, the first week, we just instantly just, like, clicked. It was, like, best friends. As they say, the the uh, Bonnie and Clyde, one's one way, the yin, the yang. Yeah. What is one of the things that you wish would have went better at Syracuse for you? Um... Hmm. Maybe I wish we would have won more games because then it would have been able to put us and myself on a bigger stage. Obviously, we played good competition every night, but we didn't make it to the NCAA tournament. Um, We was praying to get like a buy and bid and all that, but our season just wasn't good enough for us to get it. We did play in the WNIT, but that ain't that don't get us as much love as the NCAA. And so yeah. Well, and when you say through that experience, I mean, there's only 64 teams that get to experience it. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people get to experience it every year. Right. When you're sitting there waiting for this possibility, what's some of the things that's going through your mind? Does Is it more of about the future or is it more of in that moment? I was I was nervous. I was uh trying not to get emotional in front of everybody because it was like, okay, I ain't never been to NCAA tournament except for my uh, freshman year, but I didn't play in it so I mean I was there but I wasn't there you know yeah, what I'm saying like yeah. I was just there and so um I'm like I'm trying to experience it I'm trying to get into it and then it was like same time that was my last year of eligibility my year at Syracuse so like if our name don't get called for nothing my season is over my college career is over it's a wrap so I'm like I'm just trying to give us something like give me a, you know what I'm saying give me yeah. something you know what I mean and I was just going through a lot of emotions. I kept moving. I'm like this. I'm moving in my chair. Cheyenne sitting next to me, and I'm moving. I'm touching her. I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to talk to her, get the conversation going so I don't be thinking about it. But it was just a lot of stuff to think about. And then when our name didn't get called, um, I was pretty, you know, hurt. I don't think that many people was hurt because they have time. Time. But I was. Your goal wasn't achieved. But obviously you got to play in the WNIT. You go and your opportunity is to try to get in the WNBA. Right. That night doesn't go the way it goes for you, but your doors don't close. What's the opportunities that you were given after the draft for the WNBA? Um, so I went to a pro day combine um, to, you know, try to show my ability and stuff like that. Um, I picked my agent, um, Samantha Greenberg. And after that, it was just full on. Um, working to get NIL deals. Um, I got, we was on the phone calling, texting teams. I'm, I was trying to get a summer gig, which I do have a summer gig to play overseas. Um, my summer gig is in Puerto Rico from August to October. Then after so that, Puerto Rico is a place you've ever been? Nah. Things you've ever seen? Nah. So you may not have reached the star where you want to be, but I hope you know this is just another step for you to see things that you've never seen before. Yeah. And hopefully it gets you in the right direction. What was that feeling of just knowing you got that opportunity? 
Um, it was a good feeling because I was, you know, I'm a journaler. I write a lot in journals and in my notes on my phone. And I was, this was my thought that if I don't make it to the WNBA, it's because God is trying to tell me that I need to slow down, focus on myself and worry about what I have going on instead of worrying about what other people got going on. And so when I didn't get it, I'm like, he trying to tell me like, all right, you need to focus on you, worry about you. Cause I was always worried about the next person. Like this person is doing this. This person got this much NIL money. This person got this. I don't got that. I don't have this instead of worrying about what I did have. So I feel like this is an opportunity for me to, you know, not disconnect from the world, but you know, like, I think it's a chance to give you place to put your roots down Yeah, and see where it grows and, and grow in that position. What's the team that you'll be playing for? Do you know yet? Or does... I don't know how to say it. Okay. It's, it's, it's Spanish. Okay. I'm working on my Spanish. I downloaded my Duolingo app. Okay. But, um, yeah, it's a team in Puerto Rico. It's a new team in Puerto Rico. Um, I believe this is their first year playing. And so, yeah. What does mom think through all this? She, she, she nervous, but you know. Well, the one thing that I do is I appreciate you coming on, telling a story of a journey of someone that has the drive, has the dedication, has the ups, has the downs, but knows in the long run, your path is going to be given to you. Mm -hmm. No matter how much you work hard or whatever, that's going to be laid there for you based off of the things that you continue to do for others. Yeah. I appreciate your time. I promise we're going to be watching from Omaha. You've done great for an OPS school student to go well beyond the expectations normally for the people here in Omaha. Right. And and I can't wait to watch you play at the next level. And I appreciate you coming on wired access. Thank you. Sharing that story. Remember, If you have an athlete or if you're a parent being single, not being single, having two parents, there's a lot that you can get from some of these athletes out here. She's telling you that, you know, the struggles are different for everybody, but you can overcome them if you want to. Thank you again for joining Wired Access Podcast, another Heard At production. Heard at Sports Network Production.